to the weekly podcast of Grace Valley Church. We're thrilled to have you join us. Our goal is to guide individuals towards Jesus and help them fulfill their divine destiny. Our hope is that you'll experience a renewed encounter with God today. For additional information about our church, please visit mygracevalley.com. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's message. We've been walking through an incredible series here at Grace Valley Church uh, titled Rooted. And uh, as we've walked through this series being rooted, uh, we've learned so many things about what uh, these root systems that we have and uh, these incredible things that we can rely on when, when our faith is questioned, uh, you know, when, when, when something just kind of knocks us and uh, maybe even knocks the wind out of us because we just didn't see it coming or, or we watched something take place and we, we found some foundational things that we know are true. And we talked about Jesus being uh, uh, the creator, uh, the resurrection, the sovereign, those, those things that we understand that God created the universe. Man, we looked at science. We had a, we had a science lesson. It was incredible of, of all the incredible ways that, that, that science even points to the existence of a creator, the creator God. We know from the proofs of, of historians, not just the Bible, but those who knew Jesus, who were with him, who were even against him, the testaments of our Lord and Savior and the power of his resurrection and what that means for you and I. And then last week, as we talked about uh, understanding how God is sovereign, he is a sovereign God and how he holds all things in his hands. And even though, you know, difficult things happen, come on, how many of you have ever had a difficult thing happen in your life? We know that God is still good. God is for us. God is with us. He is sovereign. Today, we want to dig our roots even deeper into the bedrock truths and principles of God's word. And as we do that today, the title of my message is uh, God, our provider. He is the provider. He is our provider. And I think that something happens in our hearts and in our lives when we come to understand that Jesus paid it all. He did it all, the work at Calvary for you and I, but not just that, because that's an incredible thing, what he did for our salvation. Come on, that's the greatest miracle that can ever take place is when a heart or a life just says yes to Jesus. But he cares about you and I today. I want you to know that, that God is your provider today. And when we realize who our provider is and all of that, it brings a strength to our root system that goes deeper, that no matter what happens in the world around us, does anybody else know there's a crazy world out there? There are difficult things happening all around the world. There's financial turmoil, all of those things. I want you to know that when you and I understand as followers of Christ that our root system, we are connected to the ultimate source, and that is Jesus Christ. He is our source. We need to be rooted in every area of our lives, in our our faith, a faith that moves mountains, in our mind, our soul, our, our strength, a, a faith that doesn't, that doesn't, that, that meets everything. We go, wow, that also makes sense. That is incredible. Understanding that not all faith makes sense, but we need to know that in our minds, intellectually, this is true. Amen. We live in truth and understanding the truth is key. It's important. Today, we need to also know that that we need to be rooted in every area of our life and all of those things, but also in our action. As provider, many times I think that we expect, we hope for, we even pray for, right? God to take action in our lives. We want God to act when we have difficulty, we want God to act. When, when tragedy strikes, we're hoping that God would act to help us in our emotional state, physical state, whatever it is. So many times we, we, we want God, but, but we have, what we have to understand too is, is we are in this situation sometimes where we want God to act, 
but the action on our part might be missing. What does that mean? Many times the action that we have and our part is missing, sometimes even non-existent. And we talk about God as our provider. And I think every single one of us in this room, we understand the needs that we have to live, the basic necessities of life, all of the things that we have to pay for. And, and probably in the room, uh, many times in, in married couples, you'll see a difference in, in that couple. You'll see uh, one of them might be a spender. Come on, do we have any spenders in the room? Yeah, proud spenders. Come on, where are you at? And then you might have, you have on the flip side of that, you have, a, you have the savers. Do we have any proud savers? You guys are quiet. The savers are quiet. The, the spenders, we're loud. We're like, yes! Let's go! Uh, for us, for us, we are definitely in that camp. Tony Lee and I are very different. I love to spend. <laughs> Let's go. But I have found, however, that it is very situational. Oh, where is he going with that? I could get in trouble right here, right now. No, it's very situational. So, so for the most part, about 11 months of the year, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. We can do it. Let's have fun. Oh, wait. No, I have a coupon for that. Oh, great. You know, double coupon day. Let's do this. Let's save here. Let's go there. We have a, you know, we're, we're in that. But then there's this one. Christmas. And all of a sudden, I don't know how it happens, but I become the world's greatest miser. She calls me Scrooge. And she becomes the world's greatest aunt, auntie the world has ever known. All of the nieces and nephews and the aunts and the uncles, nieces and nephews and the brothers, sisters, cousins, niece and nephew. Why are we buying presents for them? We don't even, because that's what we do. It's Christmas. We give. So all of a sudden you see that role reversal. My brother, oh, you should. If you, like Tony Lee loves to give gifts, but you want to know what she's even better at? My brother, Brian, calls my wife the greatest gift getter the world has ever seen. Do you know what I'm talking about? So she gets, you, you pick it, name anything. Whatever she opens up, she is going to make you feel like you are the most incredible, generous, like she'll open up a box of rocks. <laughs> and go, these are the most beautiful rocks I've ever seen. Where did you find these rocks? They're incredible. I can't believe you thought of me to give me. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That's Tony Lee. She has a heart of generosity, and she loves to make people feel blessed. And so my brother calls her, you are the greatest gift getter I have ever seen because she has an incredible heart of gratitude. And gratitude makes so much difference in our lives. There are so many studies that are linked to the power of gratitude. If you have a grateful heart, if you have a gratitude, a, 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 a spirit of gratitude about you, there is something amazing that we know and understand that you cannot be down when you have a heart of gratitude. If you want to lift your spirits, choose to be grateful. Begin to look at what God has done for you, all the great things that are, all the great things that have taken place, choose to be grateful for those things. And watch your situation just begin to flip around. All of a sudden, we see this, and, and we, we're talking about God as our provider, and we understand that we have a role to play in that because God has provided us things, and so many times uh, it's the whole, you know, spenders uh, versus savers uh, and, and really a mindset of, of being an owner uh, versus maybe a, a manager, like, wait a minute, this is, this is my stuff, and these are my things, and my, and so all of a sudden we have that, and, and, and come on, how many of you have ever raised children, and they went through the, this is 
mine. Come on, anybody? Mine. Come on, how many of you haven't grown out of that? No. (laughs) Mine, that's my stuff. Stop touching my stuff. I'll never forget my son. Oh, I think I've shared this before years ago. My, my son got this little car. It was a Fred Flintstone car. You got in, the bottom was out, and you used your feet to paddle along. And, and Oh, you guys, you know what I'm talking about. And he had one, and he was out riding it, and the next-door neighbor girl came over, and she was standing next to him, and she put her hand on his car. The boy had a meltdown. Hannah, that's fine, but whatever you do, don't touch my car. It was like, whoa, where'd this come from? Mine, my stuff, don't touch my stuff. And I think that many times we, we experience that. And what because of that, many times we understand that, you know, God is our provider, but there's some action steps that we take as well, that God moves in our hearts and our lives, whether you're a spender or a saver or, uh, you know, all of those things. Here's what I do know. We live in a world that is filled with greed, that is filled with the mine. It's mine. I want more. Uh, take a look at some of these statistics that we see in our world today. 70% of Americans today are living paycheck to paycheck. They are living from one check to the other. Boy, they need the next one to arrive so they can just make it and take care of of that. One third of American adults are right now in a debt collection process. One third of adults are in 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 a debt collection process. And when we average out all of America, this stat just blows my mind. On average, America spends $1.28 for every $1 that they make. How many of you know that's bad math? That's not gonna, that's not gonna last very long. That's not gonna work. That's not gonna work. And then this one, 64% of couples argue over money issues. Got real quiet in here. I like that. Shh, don't tell nobody. All I can tell you is you're not the only one. Come on, look at somebody and say, you're not the only one. We understand that. We know there's no secret to that. We all understand those financial pressures in life. And when they hit what they do to us, they don't bring out the best in us. They cause us to struggle. It's that age-old spender versus saver, financial calm versus the, the stress and the storm. I know that in a room like this and watching online, there are many uh, different avenues of life. There are many who are walking different paths. Uh, there are savers, there are spenders. Some of you are incredible. Some of you would probably be doing a whole lot better job of teaching anything about God's provision because you've seen it, you've witnessed it than I ever could. You, you have been there. You could be a coach, man. You could, you could walk people through. I am thankful that our congregation has those kinds of people. They are, they are financial gurus and coaches because they understand whose it is and how to bless God with it and what God does when we have that heart of blessing to provide. But the real battle in our lives seems to be creating margin. And how do we do that? Because all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but it seems like whenever, uh, man, things are tight, that's when everything goes wrong. That's when all of a sudden the car needs a tune-up. You get in an accident. The tires are, are, are bald, and all of a sudden you got to replace all four tires. You had no idea that you had to do that. A medical bill hits. All of a sudden it's back to school, and we need clothes, and, and we need stuff for kids, and boy, we got to have them help, uh, help them have all of these things. And so all of a sudden we live with this pressure that is inside of us. And I, I would dare to say sometimes we don't even feel in control of our money, but we feel like our money has control of us. It was like, where did it go? I didn't even know. It didn't, it didn't ask my permission to leave. <laughs> and it did it anyway, right? 
what am I doing here? Where is it all go? What happened? We feel like we're out of control. We don't even know how to control because all of the things that hit with it's inexplicable and devastating sometimes. But I know this, the goal, the goal for you and I is to establish peace in our homes, in our lives, when it comes to finances. We talk about being rooted. I want you to understand that when we can get to a point where we understand that our provider, God, will watch over and take care of us as we trust him, something miraculous takes place. And I think we know the goal is that we all want peace. Come on. How many of you know when, when, when we have plenty, come on, the sun is shining. It's good. This is awesome. There's no stress. It's just beautiful. And when there's not, then it's, it's difficulty. The goal is that we all want peace in our lives, especially in, in the realm of our finances. And we know that the answer to that is found in the Lord. The answer is to have a biblical belief, a biblical understanding, even a biblical perspective of God and a godly perspective of our finances. Uh, there's a story of an elderly uh, lady who decides she lost her husband, he passed away. She was an elderly lady and the, the neighborhood was getting a little scary and she was afraid to be alone. So she decided, she made a decision that she should probably start carrying a gun. Uh-oh is right. And she thought, you know, this will help protect me. I'll feel safer. And she put it in her purse and she went grocery shopping. And as she went grocery shopping, she came out of the store carrying her bags. And as she was walking to her car, she saw two men scouring it inside her vehicle in her car. And she looked at like, what in the world am I going to do? She dropped the two uh, bags of groceries. She reached into her purse and she pulled out her gun and she pointed it at them. And she looked at them and said, I have a gun and I know how to use it. And the two men took off running. And she felt really good about herself. Like, whoa, it worked. She put the gun away. She grabbed her bag. She got into her car. She put the key in the ignition and it didn't work. And she looked down the row and she saw her car three spaces down and it looked exactly like that car. So she, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. She goes to the police station, does what's right. She goes, oh, I, I did. I made a huge mistake at the grocery store today. I, 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 I pulled a gun on two men and the police officer starts laughing and he said, those two gentlemen right down there are here to report an old lady carjacked their, <laughs> carjacked their, their car. Yikes, right? What she thought was hers wasn't hers. She thought this was my car, chased those dudes away, and it wasn't her car. I think sometimes we get mistaken that we believe what is ours is ours when we need to understand what is ours only comes from the hand of our provider. He is our provider. He gives us all of those things. We need to take note of 1 Corinthians chapter 29, verse 14. It tells us this, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Wow. James 1.17 tells us every good and perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. And aren't you glad about this? who does not change like shifting sands, like shifting shadows or sands that works both ways. Every good and perfect gift, everyone say gift, yes. comes from above. Say above. above. 
That's where it comes from. Everything that we have comes from above. I want you to know, I believe that God uses finances to help build and develop our character. This builds deep roots into what we understand, the bedrock truths of understanding that really everything that we have doesn't come by our own hand, by our own might, by our own skill, by our own talent. Every single thing that we have comes from the Lord. God uses finances many times to build that trust in him, having an understanding and a relationship with uh, really walking that out, that action step and walking that out, walking in that causes our root system to grow deep in him. When we know, I love, uh, come on, when we know that he is our source and not anything in this world, how many of you know that sets us free? That sets us free from the tyranny and the hold of this world that would try to grab a hold of you. Matthew 6, 21, I, I know if you, you know the Lord, I'm sure you've heard this verse and we understand it and we know it, we understand. Matthew 6, 21 tells us, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I, I know the Lord knows that, and I think that so many times people who go, man, you know, I, well, the church, all they do is talk to money about money. All they do, that, that's what they, they talk about. I want you to understand something. The Lord talks so many times about finances because he knows it's connected to our heart and he's not so much concerned about your finances because he really doesn't need them. But what he wants you to do is experience blessing and growth and experience supernatural miracles and things that take place. So when we trust the Lord with our finances, something amazing begins to take place in our lives. And we understand now. So, so the world that we live in, come on, where our heart is, come on, where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. And so the Lord wants us to make sure that our hearts are in tune with him, that there is absolutely nothing in this world that draws us away from him. And so trusting the Lord, knowing that he is our creator, that he died and he rose again, to understand that he is sovereign and he watches over us, to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I can trust him because he is my provider. He will watch over me. He will take care of me. And he says, will you trust me in this? Watch. I understand that as we, we experience this, this is what I want you to know. We, I believe, are entrusted with finances to develop our character and our Christ-likeness. He wants us to experience his Christ-likeness. The New Testament calls us to more. He wants more out of my, Matthew 23, 3 talks about how, how those were, were there and the, 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 uh, the Pharisees were giving and they were tithing, they were giving. And the Lord says, you do that, yet you are forgetting the poor. You are forgetting about the poor. And yet I want you to experience that. So I want to today, I want to talk to you a little bit, just give you a quick, three quick things here in the next few minutes of how we can experience all that God has for us as a provider, as we understand that. So the first thing is this. Number one is God wants us to cultivate contentment. God wants us to cultivate contentment. Cultivating contentment, let's look at these principles, and we're going to start in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. It tells us this, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, everyone say nothing, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content. We will be content. Let me just share with you what this word contentment means. In the Greek, the word is autarkia. Autarkia is a word that means contentment. And that root word means this. It's an inward self-sufficiency 
that does not rely on external circumstances. Wow. So there's nothing external that can help me feel self-sufficient. Come on, how many of you know that's a, that's a big step? Come on, we, we, we're happier when the sun is shining than when the gray clouds appear. Don't you love seeing the sun out there? Isn't it awesome? We see the sun and we're happy. We're lighter on our feet. We're like, oh my goodness, warmth is coming. Someone told me next week it could get into the 60s. Come on, praise Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. See? Those are external conditions that cause us to be different. And yet when it's gloomy and rainy outside, all of a sudden now, come on, we got us a little bad attitude. We got, we're a little down. We got mopey and oh, it's so, listen, this word contentment means that somehow we find ourselves in a place that all the external conditions of the world, everything that is taking place, none of it matters. We are self-sufficient. And this is not a self-sufficiency in our own strength. This is a self-sufficiency understanding that we need nothing but our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ in our lives and nothing else. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13 verse tells us this. Whoops. Uh, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, Philippians 4, 11. Because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or unfed. Wow. Whether fed or hungry. I, I, wow, that, that's a, a powerful thing. Come on. How many of you know our attitude can change a little bit when we're hungry? Am I the only one? Man, I'm, you know, come on, there's a reason for the word hangry. We get hangry, give me some food, and boy, everything just settles right down, right? He said, I've learned to be content whether I had food or if I was hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What I find amazing here is Paul is in prison while he's writing this. Paul is in prison in Rome. And in this moment, he was not consumed about changing his circumstances of being in prison. He realized that God had a plan and a purpose for his life. And even though he was in prison, he was writing that right there. That's incredible. That's awesome. The only place for our value to reside is in Christ Jesus. We don't get value from what labels others may give to us or not give to us. We, we don't find our value in the, the things that we surround us with or even the people that we surround us. Our only value should be found. That self-sufficiency that should be found is who we are in Christ. Come on, who do you say that I am? Lord, who do you say that I am? The only place for us there, not other people, not our position, not, not our, our spouse, our accomplishments, not our failures or successes, none of those things. This does not mean in any way, shape, or form that we should not be ambitious or, or want to dwell or grow, uh, 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 or do well, excuse me, or grow or experience goodness in our lives or have a drive to accomplish. Those things are not bad. But what we do realize is if our worth and our value is found in those things, we could miss it, miss it, miss it. 
We need to be so rooted in a sovereign God who placed us in our circumstances with a purpose. We, so many times, we talked about it last week. Why did this happen? Why did that have to happen? How can good people die? How can all of these things happen? And we go, how, how does God, how, how can God be sovereign or how can he be good or how can he be savior when we see so much terror, so many difficult things in the world around us? And what we need to understand is God has placed us perfectly in in this moment, in this position with the purpose. Come on, there is a purpose for your life. There is a purpose for your circumstances. There is a perfect sometimes for our pain and the difficulty that we walk through. But we can get consumed many times with what's on the horizon. What, what tomorrow, boy, tomorrow, I hope tomorrow's better. I hope we get, we get there. I hope that someday, I hope that, you know, I'm gonna get this taken care of or that taken care of and we lose sight of the greatness in the moment. Paul could have said, boy, someday I hope I get out of this prison. He didn't. What he did to say is in this moment, in this prison, God wants to use me. So while I'm here, I'm going to seize the moment. What God has for me today to accomplish, to be used by him in the midst of where we find ourselves. Contentment is a gift. And we see from Paul, he tells us this, that we can learn it. It could be learned. Paul says that we can learn it. I, I find it amazing. Sometimes Paul said in his passage there, Paul at times was flush with cash. He was an upper comer. He, he had it all. They, they, their, their eyes were on him. They were watching him. He was, he was up here in their, in the, the eyes of the rulers and the people there. He was, he was studied. He was learned. He was educated. He had it all. He said, there were times when I had plenty. There were times when he was flush with cash. There was time when he looked at his, I was going to say it. He looked in his Venmo account and said, where'd that come from? Come on. He had plenty. And he, he, he in that moment tells them, but I have also been without. I didn't even know when or where my next meal was going to come from. It's important for us to have a godly perspective of all of our earthly possessions and understand that we need to, in our lives, experience and uh, that incredible contentment knowing who Christ is. Secondly, if we want to avoid, uh, we want to avoid pitfalls. The second thing that we want to do is avoid pitfalls. We want to avoid those pitfalls that we encounter and can encounter from the world that we live in. We understand that. First Timothy 6, 9, and 10. First Timothy 6, 9 and 10 says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Please first note that it does not say that money is evil. Money is not evil. The love of money is what leads to so much difficulty and struggle and pain and difficulty because our eyes are off of what God has created for us to do. So it doesn't say that, that money is evil. It says that the love of money is evil. And what happens is in that moment, a heart begins to do a couple of things. A heart begins to say, the more I get, the more I want. The more I see, the more I desire. Those things, we need to be so rooted in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we are able to navigate and move around the pitfalls that, that maybe so many times surround our lives. This having this concept and understanding that our provider is our source and Jesus is our provider. All of those things help us. These easily, easily, many times, if we are not careful, can become the center of our lives and they become the center there. And then all of a sudden we understand this, that though we may be because we are out for those things, we tend to then begin to cut corners or we do things that aren't integral just simply in order to get more, to do more, to have more. 
Maybe we don't treat someone right. Maybe we do something that's just outside of our character or outside of Christ-likeness. And because our goal is for more instead of more of him, I, I remember uh, my, my daughter goes to Africa, uh, and, and now I think she's going for the third or, or fourth time. Third, fourth time. Wow, I got to keep up. Fourth time. And my dad goes with, and my dad is a part of a building crew, and my, my daughter uh, is on the medical team, and, and they're building structures there, and they build their own bricks, and they put them together, and they have to mix the mortar, and they have to do all of those things that to, to create the structures and to build it there. And that mortar that's built is out of sand, and, and you look at sand. I don't know if you've ever walked on the beach, and, and you look at the sand, and it's so beautiful. And then and then you take a scoop of it, and, and our kids used to have this little plastic uh, uh, sifter and you would sift out the sand and, and you'd see all the seashells and all the stones and the rocks and those things would be caught on top. You, you would look at the sand and go, this is beautiful. And then you'd take a scoop of it, put it in there and sift it in the water and you go, oh my goodness, where did all these rocks come from? Where did all these things that took place when they make and build those bricks in that mortar, they have to sift the sand because if those rocks are in there, it will weaken the integral structure of what they are trying to build. And I think that so many times in our lives, we go about our life and we don't sift out or allow God to sift out or the Holy Spirit to sift out the things and we carry those things with us. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to sift those things out of our life, all of a sudden, those pitfalls become a whole lot bigger when the storm comes and the winds blow and all of a sudden the structure is weak because the mortar wasn't sifted enough. It wasn't fine enough to, to create and there's big gaps in stones. I don't know if you've ever seen cement where it's fine and it's beautiful or you've seen cement over time and it reveals all the rocks and it's like, oh, this was a, this was a bad mix and now it's breaking and crumbling and falling apart. I want you to know we need to sift the cultural perspective from our lives if we want to be the men and the women that God has called us to be. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to sift out those things out of our hearts and our lives so that we can pursue him. Number. So that leads us to number three because we really do. We want to pursue, but we want to pursue the right things. We want to pursue true riches. First Timothy chapter six tells us, first Timothy chapter six, going to read verse uh, 11 and 12 tells us this, but you man of God flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and come on, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, up to this point, Paul was talking to the masses. And then at this moment, he turns to Timothy and he says, you, men of God, flee those things. You, man of God, flee all of this. Pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. First Timothy 6, 11, and 12 tells us these things that we should be chasing. We should live a life that has integrity. We should be benevolent. We should have all of those things. We should have faith and love in our lives. And when we do that, when we allow God to do those things in our lives, let me tell you something. You stand out from the culture and the world around us. I hope it's your heart and your desire to not blend in, to not just get by, to not just, boy, I just want to do enough I don't think that God created us to have a minimalistic walk and relationship with him. I believe that God wants to do great things through us. 
I believe he wants to raise up a people who see miracles and signs and wonders that the Bible talks about, that we say, God, we're pursuing you. And yeah, we're talking about him being our provider. We're talking about him being all of those things in our lives because he provides all of them for us. I believe that God is calling us to the very same thing of that sifting. God, let it, let it sift that our lives would stand out in the midst of a culture that is absolutely anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-follower of Christ. God is calling us to be active followers, to dive deeper, to go rooted, to say, no, 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 I'm going to stand against the storm, against what this culture says, and I'm going to live my life on fire for Jesus Christ, because he is my provider. He is everything that I have. I know as we close this service, take one moment with me to do one exercise. Would you take one one moment to think of someone in your life that you admired, that you looked up to? It could be someone who led you to the Lord. It could be a close, dear friend or a, a coach or a mentor. It could be a pastor that was in your life at a crucial time in your walk, in your relationship. Who is it that you admire? And now I want you to, you, you, you've got that person. Now I want you to think about some of the traits that they have in them or had in them that you admire. Like if you had a, a whiteboard in your mind, you just begin to write down all the things. Wow, you know what I really love? This is why I loved him because he was this or she was that or she gave, she she spoke so high. She was just incredibly, incredibly encouraging to me at the darkest moment of my, all of those things. And you begin to write those down. They're in your mind. You see them of that person that you admire. I'm gonna take a, shot in the dark. But one thing that's probably not on any one of those lists, we probably wouldn't see the word greedy on that list. I really liked how greedy they were. I really want more of that in my life. They, man, they were so out for themselves. They just, they just, man, that I'm inspired by them. Come on, how many of you know that's true? That's not on our list. Those aren't the things that we subscribe to. Those aren't the things that we desire. Those aren't the things that, and Jesus is so plain and simple here. He's saying, listen, don't be greedy. Be benevolent. I am your provider. What I have given, it didn't come from your hand. It came from my hand anyway. Anyway, the very first verse we wrote is anything that we could ever give to God came from his hand anyway. That's scripture. That's the Bible. We know that that is true. It's not like somehow we just got these talents and we just we just have these skills. I want you to know even the skills and the talents that you have to hold a job and to have a job and to move up in your company and experience those things is because the Lord's blessing and he has given those things to you. Do you agree with that today? He has blessed you with those things. So I close with this question today and then we're going to pray. The worship team's going to come. We're going to sing a song to close our service. We're going to pray over you. But here's the question. What step do you need to take today? I say, Lord, what step do I need to take today towards what you really want me to become? What step do I need to take? What, Lord, need to sift from my heart and my life today. Would you stand all across this room? Worship team, would you come? 
Church, would you just bow your hearts before the Lord? We're gonna close in a word of prayer. We're gonna sing this worship song to him. And we understand that this God who that we desire, and I, I don't know if we're able to just to do the make room again. I don't know if we can switch back to, to that song. That would be awesome. If we could just do make room and just, could we just make room for him in our life by, by sifting those things that we might have? Come on, all across this room today. If you be honest with me and say, Pastor Kurt, would you pray for me? I've got some things that I would love for the Lord to sift out of my life. Is there anyone that would join me? Would you just slip your hand up right where you're at all across this room? God, would you do some sifting in my heart? Would you do some sifting in my life? God, would you do some sifting? Yeah, I do too. I do too. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked the Lord to be the Lord of your life. I want you to know today that God has a plan and a purpose for you. He made a way for you to even be here or maybe made a way for you to watch online this morning. But I want you to know that God is here and he would love for you to be his child. He would love to watch over you and keep you and to be your provider today. And if you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, while I pray, all you have to do is say, Jesus, here I am. Would you forgive me? Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus will come. Yeah, come on. Let's even now give him a hand. Even though you, yeah, come on. That's a great move that you can have in him today. And if that's you, along with everyone else in this room right now, can we just lift our hands to him? And can we just ask God to do this in our hearts and our lives to make room? Father, I pray over this body, over this congregation. God, I pray over those watching online. God, I pray that you would sift our hearts. Lord, that you would draw us closer to you. God, that our roots would go deep, that we would understand that we don't have to wait on the world for our supply. You are our supply. You are our God. You are the one who watches over us and keeps us and protects us and provides our every need. And so today, Lord, do some sifting in our lives, we pray, as we right now, Lord, make room for you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing it and declare it to the Lord this morning.
Yeah. 